Hey friends, welcome to Wild Confidence Podcast, where we help one another find, keep, and share our confidence in Christ. I'm your host, Ainsley B. It's an honor to bring you some inspiring conversations with amazing guests. Before we hear today's conversation, I want to kindly ask if you'd leave a five-star review and share this episode with a friend who might like it. I'd also love to connect on Instagram, so find me at Ainsley B. Okay, I can't wait anymore. Let's get to know our guest. Caitlin Elliott is a wife, mom, and podcast host of the So What Else podcast. She is joining us today to talk a little bit about grief and the healing process. So that is a trigger warning if anyone is walking through something right now that this might be just a little too heavy. Go ahead and please proceed with caution or skip this episode if you feel like it might just be too much. Let's go ahead and meet Caitlin. Caitlin, welcome to Wild Confidence. I'm so excited to get to hang out today. Thanks for coming on. Of course. This is so fun. I'm excited to do this. Yeah. So we got to meet because uh, you had me on your show. Yes, the I did. So What Else podcast. Yes. Tell us just about you, about what you do, and where we can hang out with you online. Okay. Yeah. So I'm Caitlin. Um, I've been married to my husband, Scott, for like nine years. I have two girls, ages almost six and three and a half. And then we have another girl on the way coming <gasps> February 20th, which is my birthday. I'm due oh on my, my birthday. Gosh, that's funny. It's so crazy. It's like, who gives birth on their due date? Not that many people. I, there's some, there is a percentage out there, but it's low. But yeah. maybe I'll be one of those. Like, I think that's cool. But anyway. That would be so sweet. Yes, we have. But it's your third, so it'll probably come early, right? She'll probably come early. Right? No, I, I, I who knows? Because my first was late. My second was early. So, yeah, um, I mean, I would assume that she'll probably be a little early. Yeah. But who knows? That's, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Literally, they come whenever they decide. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's like the truest thing ever. And I was like completely in denial with my second that I was in labor. I was like, I'm really not. Like, I'm like really not in labor. And then my mom came over and was like, hi, you're like having a contraction. Would you please go to the hospital? Like I was like, okay. <laughs> it was just like, I I, don't, I was like in such denial. It was like not a good day to have the baby. It was like my whole family. We had like a family wedding that day. I was like, this really, this isn't a good day. Not a good day. To have a baby. <laughs> this isn't a good day for me. And it's inconvenient it, right now. <laughs> but that was her day. That was her day. So what are you going to do? We're, we're at their mercy. That is hilarious. Oh, so oh anyway. Oh my gosh, that's funny. So okay, so you have three girls. Yeah, wife, about to have mom, three girls. Yeah, wild. When we did like the little gender reveal for this one, we just did like very casual. Popped a little balloon. The pink confetti uh-huh. came out. It was just like my husband was like three. Okay, <laughs> he was like, "Do we still? Is that still a thing that the parents or the girl pay for the whole wedding?" Like he's like, "Is that like? I think that'll be gone by then because like, yo, that's like the oh, that's least of our problems right funny. now." But what are you gonna do? But I'm also but a podcaster, really. as you said. Mm-hmm. I have a podcast. Yep. So what else? It's a story based podcast. And people come on and just share their story, and it's really fun. You can find us at CaitlinElliott.com. You can find me on Instagram at Caitlin Grace Elliott. And Elliott has two T's, by the way, everyone. Um, and that's pretty much it. And the podcast has its has an Instagram. Oh, yes. At so dot what dot else. Thank you. Cool, cool. Love it. So yeah, that's, that's us. 
That's, That's me. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. What's the latest thing about mom life? Like what is what's happening other than being pregnant, of course. (laughs) Yeah. So this has actually been like such a killer month. My oldest started kindergarten Mm -hmm. and she is like very social, like had no issues with preschool, like no issues going to Sunday school, VBS, all the things. She had like massive meltdowns. Like it was like not good. Like she went to her first day with smiles and got back in the car at the end of the day. And she was like, mom, I cried during lunch because I missed you. And I was like, oh, honey, like, that's okay. Like, you know, like I missed you too, whatever. And then it just like got progressively worse every day for like a week and a half to two weeks. And like, then she was like sobbing at drop off. And like, mm. it was like, it felt like a movie. We're like pulling up to the drop off lane. And I'm like, the teacher opens the car door and they're like, good morning. And she's sobbing and hugging me. And I'm like, you got to go, honey. You got to go. And I'm like, they're like basically like pulling her out of the car. Like it was, and I would drive away with her sobbing. And I was like, I hate myself. Like I I was like, oh my gosh, I hate myself. And so then it's like, I'm emailing the counselor. We're emailing back and forth and the teacher. And they would like give me updates at lunch. Like she made it through lunch today or like rough lunch today. Like it was like this whole thing. And I felt like. For two weeks, it was literally all I thought about. Like I was yeah. just like this tr- – you know, and then you're like, what did we do wrong? Like why is she having such a hard time? Like is something going on? Is she scared? What is ha- – like it yeah. was just like all I thought about. We finally, finally, finally had a few good days. Like yesterday we're driving to school and she was in a good mood and I wasn't going to point it out. And then she all of a sudden goes, mom, oh my goodness, I just realized something. I'm not crying. <laughs> I was like, yes, isn't that so fantastic? I was that like, it's so, so great. It's like so sad. But she mm. is doing better now. But like that is what's going on for me right now. I'm just like. Oh, and I'm so emotional. I'm 18 weeks pregnant. I'm so beyond yes. emotional. It's ridiculous. So like I'm crying that she's crying. <laughs> I like I, I'm just like rough times in the Elliot household with this kindergarten transition. Not my fave. Not my that fave. That is oh poor thing. I so Goldie um got her first black eye the other day. She's oh. eight months old. So yeah. there's that. And I I cried harder than she did. Oh, I'm sure. I 100% cried harder than she did. She Absolutely. like took a nap and woke up and forgot all about it. And I'm no, like, no. oh my gosh, I have failed. I am the worst. It wasn't even my fault. No, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember when my younger one, she literally, exactly, not my fault. She was running down the hall and dove into like the corner of a dresser or something. Yes. And had such a gnarly black eye. And I was like, so scarred from it like and meanwhile this kid had a legitimate thing on her face like you know what I mean and I was like oh yes. my goodness it's like it's just very disconcerting <laughs> like, it really is so what are you gonna it's do it's crazy oh my gosh it is it is wild I just love that though I love that moms can kind of link arms and be like yeah we're gonna survive together um totally. it's the greatest thing ever Absolutely. Like I, it helped. Honestly, it helped so much when I would have another mom, like during this kindergarten torture, like they would be like, Hey, listen, like, I know she was crying, but like, trust me, I, my son, when he was in kindergarten, like he did this and now he's totally fine. He loves school. And I was like, thank you. Please tell me more of that. Yeah. 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 Please keep the encouragement coming. Yes. Like that is what I need to hear. 
Yeah, absolutely. Y'all, it is happening. I am so excited to finally bring you the book that I've been working on called Don't Date a Boo Boo Dude. It is a guide to raise your standards, realize your worth, and remove shame from the dating game. I'm writing this book on a mission that girls everywhere will embrace a wild confidence in their identity in Christ and fulfill the calling that God has placed on their lives. Y'all, it's time to raise the bar, link arms, and fix our crowns. The book is available now. Go get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the places, all the things. I'm so excited to share this with you. Okay, so I want to get into the topic that we yes. are uh, planning for today, which is a really heavy topic. So yes. I think, um, I mean, you and I probably could just talk all the live long day, <laughs> but we're about to get into the heavy stuff. And whenever I'm thinking about, you know, our conversation and this topic, I, I think about how like mental health is such a conversation right now. It's such, and which is great. I think that is crucial. I think we should be talking about mental health and emotional um, intelligence and all of the things that are really coming up right now. But one thing that I think is kind of glossed over maybe is the people that it affects in our lives whenever our mental health struggles. Totally. And that's what I'm excited to talk to you about because you grew up with an older brother who suffered from mental illness, right? Yeah. Yeah. So basically my older brother, Joe, was three years older than me. And, you know, I'm going to try and like not be so long-winded with this. Essentially, I want to say from like very young, I knew that he struggled, right? Mm-hmm. He um, would do things that I knew were just like a little different. Like from at dinner, he would check under his plate all the time, all the time. Or he would like be on mm-hmm. the couch and he would like stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. Like he would do these kind of ritual things. But it was all I knew. He was my only sibling. He was my older sibling. You know, my sisters didn't come till a little later. And so it took me a while, I think, to kind of like connect the dots of like there's something off here. And Mm -hmm. I don't remember like how old I was when I had language for it. But essentially, my brother was diagnosed with like pretty severe obsessive compulsive disorder. Like he had pretty severe OCD and it came out – in different ways and like different things would set it off, you know, and, Mm -hmm. you know, he did a lot of checking and, um, a lot of ritual type things, you know what I mean? Like it took him a very long, long time to get ready in the morning. I remember that. Like, Mm, I remember, I remember being in preschool and he must've been in like first or second grade and it would be, he would tie his shoes and then have to untie them and retie them because he didn't do it quite right. And then he would do it again and do it again. And I'm like, you know, preschooler, like, let's go. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not like being sensitive. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, what is yeah. he doing? why is he doing that? You know what I mean? And then it's yeah. like, as you get older, you start to understand like he's struggling. Like he's yeah. not being an idiot or being a jerk or trying, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, he's really genuinely struggling. So you know, throughout our entire childhood, there was just like different counselors he would see, different doctors. There were times where he was on medication, times where he wasn't, things like that. Um, But I would say that it like really, really impacted 
our family. It impacted our parents, of course, like the, his entire life. Yeah. But I would say that it impacted kind of like our family unit more, you know, obviously when my sisters and I were a little older and able to understand a little better, you know. So I remember really clearly during like my high school and college years just being so deeply aware of his battle. And because his OCD was so, so bad, he also suffered from really debilitating depression. There was also doctors that said, you know, he also was dealing with some ADHD. And then there was even a doctor when he was in college, I want to say, that said that he was also dealing with some Asperger's, which really isn't mm. a diagnosis anymore. Now they just, I think it's just all autism now, but it just is like where you are on the spectrum. Oh, so for okay. someone who doesn't know, like Asperger's would be like a high functioning autism where it's like you just have kind of like some social challenges. Yeah. You know what I mean? Something like that. So yeah. he was dealing with like a lot of stuff. I would say the OCD was like the biggest thing. But there was like the depression, ADD, Asperger's, all this other stuff like mixed in there as well. And um, it was really – it was really hard to watch because I was a very social, capable achiever. Like I'm a one mm -hmm. on the Enneagram. Like I'm a perfectionist. I follow the rules. I do my homework exactly when it's supposed to be done. <laughs> Never turned in an assignment late. You know what I mean? Like mm – -hmm whatever, like that's important to me. You know what I mean? Like to follow yeah, yeah. the rules. And, you know, he really, really struggled. I remember um, it became like very, very apparent to me when I moved away after college, I moved to Colorado and I was doing Teach for America and I was like living out there. And when I would come home for breaks and things like holidays or whatever. And I would see him, I would be so struck by how badly he had like deteriorated. Mm. So, um, I remember one night being home and I was like laying on the couch and he was on the other couch and watching TV and I was reading a book and he got up, laid down, got up, laid down, got up, picked all the cushions off the couch, checked them all, put them all back. So he was checking for like bugs or something, you know what I mean? Like that was yeah. a huge thing for him is that he always thought there were like bugs or something like, and then he laid back down and then he did it again. And I was like, oh my gosh, like he can't even sit and watch TV, you know? And like, so as yeah. his life was going on, you know, he would go through periods of like high functioning where he was like in college, like he graduated high school and then he was in college and he was working and he was doing well. And then he would slowly just start struggling so badly that he just got exhausted from it. So he just started mm. like dropping classes until he finally just like dropped out of school. And then he still kept working, but then he quit his job, you know? And it was like, he would just kind of say like, I just can't do it anymore. You know, like mm. I've done it. I, I, I've done it as long as I can. I just can't do it anymore. Like I've tried as long as I can, but I can't. For him to do a basic thing, task was like 10 times the mental effort it would take you or I, yeah. you know what I mean? Because he had yeah. to rethink it oh, so, yeah. so, so, so many times. And so it was hard to watch. I would feel guilty. I would feel 
exasperated. Like, okay, like this is a lot on my parents. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? And then I would feel guilty. Like, oh, here I am like off living in Colorado, you know, like living my life. And this isn't really impacting my daily life. You know what I mean? But it's impact. It impacts my parents' daily life. It impacts my sisters. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so there was that struggle. And, um, during the time when I was living away was when things got really, really bad. And there was a time where Hurricane um, Sandy hit New Jersey mm-hmm. really, really badly. Mm-hmm. And my parents lost power for weeks. And my dad mm-hmm. always says that in some ways that he says kind of like my brother was almost a casualty of that hurricane in the sense yeah. that – like in the sense that it revealed so much how badly Joe was doing. So what I mean by that is there was no power. So there's like no TV, there's no internet. There was no nothing like to occupy his mind at all. Yeah. And he, it kind of like made him go crazy because he was so like attacked by his thoughts and his, you know what I mean? There was nothing to distract him, nothing to keep him busy. And so there was one night like toward the end when they still – I want to say they had gotten like some power back but still no like Wi-Fi or cable. And he called my mom upstairs and was basically like – which was very interesting for him because he wasn't like very communicative in that way. Mm-hmm. And he was basically like – I don't know what his exact words were, but it was essentially him telling her that he was having like psychotic breaks. And he didn't, he said he didn't trust himself anymore. He was envisioning things that he was like scaring himself. He didn't know sometimes if he was doing what he was imagining or not. Oh, wow. And then that night, um, he woke up my parents in the middle of the night and said, I turned all the gas on in the house. And so my dad obviously rushes downstairs and none of the gas is on. And he was like, Joe, you didn't do that. Like you didn't look, look at it. And he was like, no, I did. Like, I, I really think that I did. I really, you know, and my dad was like, look at it. Like, it's not on, you didn't do anything, but he was, he was like going insane. Like, and we say that like stupidly all the time in conversation, like, oh my gosh, I'm going Mm -hmm. insane. But like, actually, like genuinely he was like, he was his, he was such a slave to his mind and everything that was going on, like that he was losing touch with reality. Mm -hmm. And so then he ended up being taken the next day to a mental hospital because he was no longer really safe in the house because he kept saying that he was going to do things. You know, I had two younger sisters in the home. Like it was like, and that I think was like, this not the darkest, the second darkest time because it felt so much just like, how did it get this bad? So I was living in Colorado and my little sister called me and she was just sobbing and she was like, something bad is going on. Like an ambulance came and took Joe. Like, I don't know what is going on. Like this, she was completely freaked out, obviously, you know. How old was she? And she was like a young teenager. Okay. So 
of course, that's like really hard for her to comprehend. I was an adult with a job and I couldn't even really wrap my brain around the fact that he, yeah. like my brother, because the thing that you have to remember is that he went through really long periods of like functioning very well. Like he would go through long periods where the medication was working well, mm. where the counseling was working well and his therapies and he was doing well. Like in high school, he was like, in the marching band, you know, like he got good grades, like he did great on his SATs. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he had friends and then he would just go through periods where the medicine would kind of stop working or he would beg, you know, to like get weaned off of some of it because he hated some of the side effects or yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and something stopped working over time. You're like, you know, your body adjusts and blah, blah. So he would go through these long periods though of like functioning so well that it was so hard for me to imagine like he's getting taken to a mental hospital. Like that's, yeah. it was so hard to wrap my brain around for any of us. And, you know, it was, it was so dark for my parents. They yeah. would visit him every day and they felt like failures. They just felt like, how did this happen? You know, like we tried- right we've tried everything. Like they got him into any doctor they could, any therapist they could, any, anything, you know? And it just seemed that everything had just stopped working, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was like, for sure, a really, really dark time. But then it was good for like a brief minute after that, where they released him, I remember on Thanksgiving Eve, and we spent this like amazing Thanksgiving together. And he seemed like good. Like he see, he was like happy. He was making jokes. We had like a really nice holiday together. And that's like one of the last times that it was like a nice family memory because like less than a year later was then, if I'm doing my math correctly, I think it was less than a year later was when he ended up passing away. So, you know, the thing that's so crazy is that we're doing this interview um, on the night before the eight-year anniversary of his death. And the thing that's like so yeah. wild about that is that the last time that I did an interview about my brother, it was the week of his birthday. So it's like very strange. So it's like, I, I don't yeah. know, like that's like a God thing, you know, like I don't know. And I, and it does kind of feel in some way, like this is a very cool way for me to honor him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like people say all the time when they've lost somebody that they love, that they, they do want to talk about them. People tend to feel scared to ask, mm -hmm. Yeah, but they want to talk about them because it helps them, you know, like live on. And so, so how can we do that respectfully? Yeah, ugh, it's so hard. But I think that I have so many like amazing friends that ask it in like such a nice way. Like they'll just be like, hey, how are you? How's your family doing? I know it's like been a long time since like you guys lost Joe, but like, you know, just like I think about you if you ever want to talk about it, you know, and then like I can, and if I'm not in the mood to talk about it, I could just be like, oh, thank you. That is so sweet. But no, we're good. And then move on. Right, right. And they're not like pushing it. You know what I mean? Or I can be like, oh, it's weird that you bring that up because I actually like this has been such a bad week because of that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so it's like yeah. you're allowing them the, the space to talk about it if they want to. 
And if they don't, it still feels good that you acknowledged it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just yeah. like feel like – and it's not like I'm saying, oh, you need to bring it up every time you talk to your friend. Like, hello, that's excessive. Yeah. yeah. But just to, you know, every, every so often. Now and then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this might be hard for you. Or even like something stupid, right? Like, okay, like on Mother's Day, I try to remember like friends of mine that are like maybe having trouble – getting pregnant or maybe have lost a child or something like that. Cause like those days are hard for them. Right. So if like you have a mm-hmm. friend like me, who's like lost a sibling, maybe on that like stupid made up holiday where everyone's like posting like sibling yeah, pictures on Instagram or whatever yeah. it is, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, yeah. I know this is probably like such an awkwardly weird day for you because it's yeah. like, what are you going to post a picture of? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's like not wildly uncomfortable. And you know what I mean? Like everyone's just posting like stupid pictures with their brothers and sisters. And then you're like, okay, well, I can't really participate. You know what I mean? Like a Mm -hmm. text maybe then or you know what I mean? But again, like you don't have to make it this like huge, like I'm going to call you and check up on you. But just like, hey, remember, like, you know, I have a friend who her son passed away and I put the anniversary of his death in my phone. And it just like reminds me every year. And I just like shoot her a text, like thinking of you. I know today's really hard. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Just like things like that. Yeah. So what happened? Okay. So basically, um, Joe had been then doing really poorly again. After he was doing well, he was doing really poorly again. And, um, you know, it was really, really, really hard for him to like shower, like, because that was a whole thing. He would feel like he was never getting all the soap off. So he would like shower, get out, go back in, get out, go back in, get out, go back in. Like it would be like a whole process and it was exhausting for him. You know what I mean? Like imagine thinking through, even like as a mom, right? When you like pack the diaper bag and you're like making sure like you have all the bottles and you have all the da, 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 da. by the time you get in the car, you're like tired because you're like, geez, mm-hmm. like uh, that was like so annoying to think through all of that. Imagine mm-hmm. doing that like 50 times over for every single thing you ever do. Oh you know, gosh. it's like, yeah. so like the exhaustion was just like beyond. Mm-hmm. So my dad had, you know, said to him like, hey, listen, like you really need to take a shower today. Like I know it's hard. You got to do this. He was living with my parents at the time. And so he went to shower and my dad was just kind of sitting like in the upstairs, like hallway-ish, like Mm -hmm. just to kind of like be there, like to keep an eye sort of. Yeah, in earshot. Exactly. And he was on the phone with his dad. Like he was whatever. And he said that he noticed Joe coming out and like – he was like breathing really heavy and like he kept going back and forth and he he said that – my dad said it sounded like Joe was having a panic attack. And so he hung up the phone with his dad. He was like, I got to call you back. He went in there and he was like, what's going on? And Joe couldn't catch his breath. And they both thought he was having an anxiety attack. Joe did too. He was like, I'll get it under control. I'll get it under control. Just give me a minute. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to catch his breath. And my mom came in and they were like having him breathe into like a bag and stuff. And um, my dad was like, Joe, like, I'm going to call an ambulance. Like, you seem like you really can't breathe. And he was like, please don't, please don't, please don't. And then just as my dad went to call the ambulance, Joe just passed out. And we didn't know then, obviously, but like he like died basically instantly. He had a blood clot that was undetected. Like I think it's called a DVT. It formed like in his leg 
and had traveled to his lung and what? killed him basically instantly. And it was just like it's there's so many insane things about it because it's like you know when he first well then of course paramedics came it was you know it was a horrible the right. paramedics came tried to revive him it was like a awful 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 situation like my sisters were there saw the whole thing mm, like no. there's yeah. like so much trauma there you know like i was on the phone at the time like it was like you know there's a lot there but you know of course everybody initially thinks like did he try to kill himself so yeah. immediately, like, my mom went and, like, checked his meds. But, like, everything was there. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. everything was there. It's like you check the room. Like, there's nothing. Mm -hmm. And no one knew, like, what happened. And, you know, like, they thought, like, did he have, like, a heart attack? Like, he was 28 years old? Like, is that mm – -hmm. you know? And it was crazy because we just, like, prayed – that we would have an answer soon. And because, you know, when we first met with like the funeral home people, they were like, listen, it could be like six weeks until you get a cause of death, which is like torture yeah. to like have no idea what happened. You know what I right. mean? And so um, miraculously after just like two days, we got wow. the cause of death. And it was like weirdly a relief to everyone because it was so like out of anyone's control yeah. There was nothing anybody could have done. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. And um it was no one's fault, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. it's like it's very there's so much to it because you know, years later we even heard that there was like whatever this rumors in town, whatever that means, that like Joe had actually like killed himself and that like we were like lying Hiding about it? yeah like try which is like i don't even really know how you'd hide that though because like people would know i i, I don't know but anyway yeah. it's just like that and it's just like very crazy because you know it's it sounds so stupid but like i love like things that i have that remind me of joe so like he was a lefty i'm a lefty and um yeah. Because of that, you know, when I was having my first baby, I was like, I like got a new OB and, you know, they ask you about your family history and I really didn't think it was like important at all, like about my brother, but I put it on there. Like, you know, I had a brother that passed away of a blood clot and my OB was like, that's really unusual to like die of a blood clot at the age of 28. Like what was going on? And I told her like, well, he was depressed. So he was like sedentary you know what I mean like he didn't like yeah do it to like a lot of exercise like he was overweight you know whatever and so she was like mm, that's not enough there's usually a genetic component which no one had told us wow. so she had me do a ton of blood work and it turns out that like I have a gene mutation for blood clotting which she was like this is very important for us to know because like pregnancy increases your risk yeah. of blood clots and post-pregnancy and flying and, and she was like I'm so glad we know this because, like, yeah. I have to then – I be I just – it's not a big deal. I go on blood thinners, you know, like, after I have a baby um, and they monitor me and take my levels and I have a hematologist and whatever. But it's, like, every time – I can't go to my hematologist or do take my blood thinners or anything without thinking about Joe and, like, thinking mm -hmm. about how, like – He could have saved your life. Right. Like, without yeah. Without knowing it. Totally. Like, it's just, like, oh, my gosh. Like, if that – hadn't happened, like what 
I wonder what that would have meant like for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just like yeah. insane. Like and in some way it connects me to him in like yeah. that very weird way, you know? Mm-hmm. But, sure. you know, there's so much to his death that I feel like, you know, my dad talks a lot about how in this life we're going to see, you know, hardships and struggles and and trials and all those things. But like Joe's life was abnormally hard. Mm-hmm. You know, like his – he was a prisoner in his own brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. He really was. Yeah. And his death, as quick as it was and and all of that, in so many ways while it is like torture and like horrible for us, I and we all, I feel like in my family, feel very confident that like in that exact moment that he passed out, like he was immediately free. Yeah. From all of his pain, hardship, all of his frustration. Yeah. Totally. Like in that moment, God was like, I am going to take this all away. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm happy for him. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm sad for us. It's very hard. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to talk about eight years later, you know? But when when I think of Joe, I just feel so – I know that he is happy and he's whole and – he doesn't want to be back here, <laughs> you know, yeah, like he's, yeah. he's in a better place, you know, and he's, yeah. and he's finally living the way he was meant to be, you yeah. know what I mean? Cause he was right. so limited here, mm-hmm. but yeah. that's hard. That doesn't mean that it's easy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And whenever you're going through the grieving process and the healing process, there's two things that I've heard you say already that I think are pretty key Um, and I don't know how many people listening have lost someone close to them. I, I have, and I know that grieving process and I, it wasn't a sibling, but, um, the thing that you mentioned were commonalities Mm -hmm. that come to mind, uh, you know, both of you being a lefty, that's so sweet. And that's just something little that I feel like is like a little God wink that kind of helped the healing process. And then you, uh, and then knowing that that they're, they have no more pain. Yeah. Is there anything else that you have been able to cling to through the healing process? I mean, it's only eight years. That's not very long. No. When you think about your life with someone and a sibling, especially when you're under the same roof all day, every day, you know, all the time, and you just have typical sibling things. So is there anything else that you can kind of lean on or used to help the healing process? Yeah, I think that there's a lot because, you know, it's complicated. Like, so everybody who's lost somebody and has gone through a grieving process has something in common, right? And so like you can bond with someone else who's lost someone who's grieving. But -hmm. at the same time, everyone's journey though is also still so very unique. So even if I talk with someone who lost an older brother it's unlikely that their older brother who died like had the same mental struggles as Joe, right? So like sometimes like 
weird like people will be like oh you lost your brother like oh was he married like did he have kids and I'm like no and they're like what did he do and it's like oh well he wasn't really working and it's like hard like if you don't really know the person it's like hard to be like look the whole story is actually that he was like deeply depressed at the time and like struggling from debilitating OCD like you know it's like there's like so much there you know that like sometimes you're just like not gonna get into all of that you know what I mean yeah so um it's a very unique journey of healing for me because of his mental illness and what I mean by that is like I don't have a ton of recent happy memories with him, right? So like when I think about the good times with Joe, that was like when we were in high school. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, but he Mm -hmm. died 10 years later. Those last 10 years for him were like pretty hard, you know? Mm -hmm. And like there wasn't a lot of conversation with him because he couldn't really carry on much of a conversation. You know what I mean? Like I remember at my wedding even, which was the year before he died, that was a really hard day for him. Like he, like for him to have to like put on a tux and like go to pictures and like do the whole thing. That was like, that was asking a lot of him. Mm -hmm. And like, there are days where I am so thankful that like he's in the family photos and that he was there. And there's also days where I feel like I should have like told him, like, you don't have to come. Like, I know that this is going to like torture you for a full day. Like you don't have to come. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, Caitlin, you're so selfish. You didn't even think to do that. You know what I mean? So, like, I have, like, weird, unresolved stuff. Like, I was living in Colorado, like, and I would call home and, like, maybe he would pick up and I'd be like, hey, and, like, that was it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we wouldn't share a lot of words. You know what I mean? So, it's complicated in that sense. It's not like I am I can, like, honestly say, like, I miss the close relationship that we had. Like, because it's like, listen, in those last 10 years, there wasn't a close relationship, if I'm being honest. Like, there wasn't. Yeah. So something for me that helps me in my grieving is thinking about how hard his life was and how free he is now. Kind of, you know, like that – he was struggling so intensely. You know, it's very interesting. The day that he died, my dad is a pastor. So my dad preached a sermon. And at the end of it, he did kind of like like an altar call type, like come up if you need prayer. And like my mom is not like a – she's not the type of person that would like go up every week or like be super expressive in that way. My mom's like very like reserved, like more introverted – and it was unusual that she went up that day like for prayer and she was praying and like begging God, sobbing like to heal Joe and mm-hmm. deliver him from his pain. And he died six hours later. Wow. And it's just so hard not to see like a correlation between those two things. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That like Mm -hmm. my mom was truly like at the end of herself and like begging God, like heal him, save him from this pain. Mm -hmm. And God was like, yeah. You know what I mean? Now, is it the way that we want? No. Like in a perfect world, it would have been that God like would snap his fingers and Joe would have been healed of his OCD and be able to live for, you know, 50 more years or whatever, 70 more years here on earth and everything's hunky-dory and perfect. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But, Mm -hmm. you know, 
Tim but Keller his story says, is serving so much purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, like Tim Keller says, the gospel doesn't promise me a better, it doesn't promise me better life circumstances. It promises me a better life. Yeah. So it's like yeah. for us, we think, okay, like we have like small human brains, like, okay, like what does a healed Joe look like? Well, that means that like, he's going to be like on earth with no mental illness, like happy with a job and a house with a picket fence and like 2.5 kids. You know what I mean? Like that's what we think would be good. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? But it's like, God's a lot bigger than that. And like, we, he can see way more than we can see. Yeah. You know, and we're not always going to We don't understand. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're not always going to get it. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to tie it up with a bow, you know? Right. Yeah. My, when my grandfather, he passed away of a blood clot, oddly enough in his leg. Oh, that's so crazy. Um, It is crazy. And I remember walking in, it was very unexpected. He literally just went in for a routine knee surgery. Uh, I literally talked to him that night and was like, he was like, yeah, I'm getting out in the morning. Everything, everything's fine. You know? Um, extremely unexpected. And, but I remember I was living in New York at the time, actually, mm-hmm. and going into the visitation room. And I was like, oh, he's not here. You know, like his soul is with Jesus. Like he yeah. is. And, and, and while he did not have an illness at all, this was very, you know, he was fine up until this moment. It still felt a freedom. It still felt like he was free because even without that, he was with the creator of the universe. Yeah. Even without an intense suffering on this earth, Mm -hmm. he was still whole and I don't know, uh, healed of anything, of anything at all. Absolutely. And that was, that was so much hope that we clung to as well during that whole process. And I remember the whole grieving process and I, did, I will never forget walking into that room and being like, oh, he's with Jesus. Yeah. He's not here. Yeah. And that was so uh, critical, I think, mm-hmm. to, to that. So as you're kind of walking with your whole family through this healing process, I mean, there had to be just so many things. If there's one thing that you could share with someone else who might be grieving the loss of someone they love right now, what would that be? You have to like embrace the very unexpected waves of grief. You know, it's like, it really is the weirdest thing. You know what I mean? Like I can go, I can go months where I feel like I think of him, but you know, it doesn't, make me like super emotional. I can just think of like happy times and laugh about it. There's times where like I can mention Joe and like think of a funny memory and just laugh and move on. And it doesn't like ruin my day. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's fine. You know, like I even said something the other day, I was talking about like bringing my daughter to kindergarten. And I was like, I remember like on my first day of kindergarten and Joe, my brother said, blah, blah, blah to me. Like what, you know, just like a stupid thing and you just move on. Yeah. And then there's days where it just like smacks you in the flipping face for no reason. You know what I mean? And maybe it is because like the anniversary is coming or a birthday is coming, or maybe it's for actually no reason at all. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it'll just hit me that like, like my kids aren't ever going to know him. And like, you know, 
I can tell them about him, but they're not really going to know him. And like, that makes me feel emotional. It makes me feel bad. Sometimes I literally feel guilty that we've like moved on without him. Do you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like he doesn't know my kids. Like he's, he never saw my house. Like, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, and it feels like, oh, like we're leaving him behind in some way. And so then it'll just like smack you in the face in this like very weird, raw, emotional way. And so I just feel like for someone who's going through a grieving process, like, first of all, please talk to someone. Like it's so, so helpful to be in counseling or to be in therapy. I got into counseling a few months after Joe died and it it helped so much. So that's definitely get into counseling or therapy. Have someone you can talk to and just it sounds so stupid to be like, embrace it when it hits you, but embrace it when it hits you. Like you can't stuff it down. Like when you feel those emotions come, try to just like feel them and let them out. You know what I mean? And, and move on, you know, and just let yourself feel sad when you're sad. And then when you're just able to remember them in a not sad way, be thankful for that, you know? And it's just a weird, weird roller coaster. Absolutely. It really is. And I think it is important how you're talking about embracing it and just going through that sadness, like just Mm -hmm. ride the wave and go through it because I think in a way that is honoring them is taking time to like process it emotionally is like, I mean, because you think about them whenever you're doing that and you think about your, um, how your heart is connected with them. And how your totally. heart grieves them and misses them. And I think that God gives you some winks along the way to Absolutely. help you help you heal faster or go through that process um, as, as healthy as possible. Yeah. Gosh, thank you so, so much for just sharing your story, sharing Joe's story, sharing his memory and his life and how we can move through the grief grieving process. Uh, you know, at, at any point, if we um, have experienced any kind of loss. Absolutely. It Look, it's complicated for everyone. And I think that that's why it's important for us to share our story. Not that someone's going to hear this and be like, wow, that's my exact same story. I exactly mm-hmm. relate to everything she's saying. Like, no, everyone, it's nuanced. Everyone has different stuff. But Definitely. it's, we're all humans and we share common emotions and things like that. And I think that there's something in everybody's story that we can kind of like relate to and feel like, oh, I'm not the only one, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah. Thanks for giving me like a space to talk about him. Um, Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you so much, Caitlin. (laughs) Thanks so much. This is awesome. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out today. I pray that you're able to see yourself how the Lord sees you so you can hold your head a little higher and shine your confidence a little brighter. I would so appreciate if you would leave a review, subscribe, and share this with a friend. And of course, I want to stay connected with you. Find me on Instagram at Ainsley B. And my website is AinsleyBritton.com. See y'all later.